We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Well, uh, we are continuing on tonight, like I, like I just said, uh, in our Wonderful Life series. And um, man, I, I, I feel like we say this all the time in every series that we do, but I've really enjoyed this series. I'm really enjoying this series. I, I, I don't think that it can be said enough, your life with God, he intended to be wonderful. And, 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 and if you are at a place right now where you are struggling with that, struggling with that idea, struggling with, with God, how can my life be wonderful? That's what this series is all about. You were called to have a wonderful life. And, and, and a wonderful life is not based upon the culture, not based upon what the social media stars want to tell you or what some person that you met at the gas station tells you your life ought to look like. But what the Bible says that you've been called to, that's what God intended for you to have. His promises, His word. And so um, it, it, it just goes without saying that without keeping perspective that our life is supposed to be wonderful, we won't keep the goal of my, my life should be wonderful. If, if you don't see the perspective of God that He intends for your life to be wonderful, you won't pursue that, that life of I can have a wonderful life. And, and you, we've got to know that from the jump. God loves us. God loves us. He loves us so much. And, and being in church, and being in church for a long time, I heard that one before. It's not the first time I've said that. It's not the first time I've heard that. It's not the first time I've studied that. But the love of God is the whole reason behind everything that we're doing here. It's the only reason why we have access to this life that God intends for us to have. And, and we've got to see that God will never remove his love from us, and there's not a situation or a circumstance that could remove that love from us. I love what Romans 8, verse 35 says. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Is there something that should remove us from God's love being able to get to us? Is there a situation, is there something going on in our lives that could remove God's love for us? Because it's only because of his love that we can have a wonderful life. And, I, and verse 37, same chapter, no. Is there something that can separate us from the love of God? No. There is not a circumstance there is not something that could have happened to you. There is not something that could be put upon you. There's not something that could come into your life and then God could go, ah, I'm powerless to help. No. 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 In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. And, and God loved us that's why he wanted us to experience a wonderful life. We've got to keep that right perspective as we're, as we're talking about the wonderful life in this series. And I love how Galatians 5 verse 1 says it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God's not trying to manipulate you. 
God freed you so that he could have relationship with you. God didn't free you because he see. oh man, I gotta get that tool. Have that piece that I, I've gotta get that thing that I've gotta use because boy, if I don't have, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. It's because God wanted you to experience freedom on a capacity that we could never experience without him because he loved us. You're free to have a wonderful life. You're not bound up. There's no situation. There's no circumstance. There's no, there's no height, no depth. There's, no, there's nothing that could be put upon you that could separate you from that love. And that's why God did what he did. It's so you could be free. That's who God is. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. Therefore, we've got to stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ, if you're a believer, has set you free and given you opportunity to pursue a wonderful life. Don't subject yourself to slavery again. Don't subject yourself to thinking the wonderful life ain't for you. That God's love ain't for you. Don't subject yourself to that. You have to stand firm and resist the, the, the pulling and the drawing and the circumstances that might come to try to get you to think either one, God really don't love me like he says he loved me. Or two, God's, real, God's love really can't get me to a wonderful life. Stand firm. See, the reason Christ freed us is because he loves us. And he wants us to have a wonderful life. In doing so, what he does in us, and then collectively through us, is he begins to recreate the original kingdom that God had intended when he put Adam and Eve in the garden. Fellowship with him every day. And in this new covenant, we get something that they never had deposited on the inside of us. God gave us something to allow us to help us to stand firm. That's his spirit. See, unlike any other time in history, for the people of God, we have something they've never had. The deposit of his spirit. See, God's love flows through our understanding and our buildup of God's spirit inside of ourselves. He gives us his spirit and his spirit is working all the time to fulfill the end of what we just read in Galatians 5, which is to stand firm and don't subject yourself again to that yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery that says you can't have a wonderful life. The Spirit of God works against that. It works against that because of the love of God. 2 Timothy 1, 7, 6, first time y'all have heard this. But we've got to grab a hold of it while we're talking about this tonight. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. But it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. His spirit inherently isn't just some sweet sticker that you get because you believe and here you go. Inside of his spirit is power. Love and self-discipline. And whenever I'm thinking about what it takes to love someone, what I'm thinking about what it takes to be self-disciplined, the first thing that is mentioned there is the spirit that God gives you gives you power. 
We've been talking about this. To live the Zoe, the God kind of life, it's, go- it's not going to just be easy. It's not easy to stand sometimes and say, I'm not going to subject myself to that yoke of old thinking to that temptation of old thinking, to going back to my old ways, to devaluing what Christ paid for, it takes strength. And God knew that. That's why through the Holy Spirit and His love, power. Power. There's power in the Spirit that God has given us. And this power as God is is strengthening us to stand we begin to grow and thrive regardless of what's going on around us. We begin to see that I don't have to be in fear. I don't have to be timid. I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to be worried what the big wig people are saying over here or what this talking head is saying on this channel or what this YouTube personality is saying. on. I don't have to be concerned to the point where I am afraid of whether... I have the power that the Holy Spirit gives me. Therefore, I will live the wonderful life. People will ask you, aren't you worried how this is going to affect our economy? Aren't you worried who's going to win the election? Aren't you worried if your vote really matters? Aren't you worried that we've opened up the, the southern border and now we got all... Aren't you worried? Aren't... Here's the deal. Do I like some of those things? Do those things make me feel positively? No. But here's the deal. I'm not in fear. It doesn't keep me from being able to live the life that God's called me to live regardless of who the president is. Neither president nor Republican nor Democrat can separate me from the love of God. No matter, and hear me, no matter how high they raise my taxes, you can't tax me enough to keep God's love from getting to me. You can't drive this economy into the ground far enough that God can't do something and raise something out because I'm going to live a wonderful life. There's not a circumstance. There's not a situation. There's not something somebody could put on me that could keep the love of God from getting to me. Because I know by whose spirit I live by. And the spirit that I've been given, that we've been given, is not a spirit of fear. Romans 8, verse 10 says, But if Christ is in you, then even through your even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. You've been given life. And that life isn't, well, just we'll see how it goes, kind of a life. It's a life that's more abundantly. It goes on to say, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. See, I don't care about the situation. I don't care about the circumstance. I don't care about the height. I don't care about the depth. I don't care because I serve a risen king. 
and I wage war against a defeated foe. That's why I'm going to live a wonderful life. I wage war against a defeated foe. We, we struggle sometimes. And this is, this is just kind of funny because even just a couple nights ago, Hannah was telling me that Joan was talking about why, why is the devil so big? Why is the devil so big? Now, I know the church that Joan's been raised in. She's been here since she's been born. Every time the doors are open, she's been in this church. I know we don't teach the, that the devil's big. I know who her mom is, and I know who her dad is. And you've got to believe, we don't talk about how big the devil is. I know the shows that she watches. I know the people who watch her whenever Hannah and I aren't. I know what they speak. I know what they say. I know who her friends are. I know what her friends, moms, and dads speak and say. The enemy just has a way of trying to convince us he's real big. He's real big. He's real strong. He's real scary. Joe ain't never seen any of that in her whole life. But you better believe that just like my four-year-old, who has no responsibilities in the sense of what you and I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, if her thinking needs to be renewed every day about just how defeated that enemy is, you better get a hold of, you've got to remind yourself. The enemy that I wage war against trying to convince me that I can't have a wonderful life has been defeated, and he is not that big. But it's going to take us operating in power to do so. James 4, 7, I'll submit yourself then to God. We got that. Then resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, I've dealt with some bullies. And whenever I've tried to resist them, they didn't really necessarily flee all the time. But what kind of a picture does it paint about your enemy, our adversary, if we will resist him, he flees? If it, what does that paint in your mind of our adversary who's trying to convince us that we can't have a wonderful life, that our lives are terrible, they can't ever get any better? There are so, if, you, we, if we will resist him in power... That he flees. What does that tell you about him? He knows. He knows. He knows where he's going. He knows who's won. He understands that he's been defeated. That's why we have to stand up for God in our, in, in our circles. We have to stand up for God in our thinking. We have to stand up for God in the way we speak, in the way that we act, so that we continue to prove to the enemy and remind him Time's coming up. I've been called to a wonderful life, and I'm not wasting one second subjecting myself to a yoke that's been broken. Subjecting myself to a way of thinking that's not what I've been called to think. See, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we have to resist the enemy to show him his place. I don't care how hot you fan those flames. You can't make them hot enough to get me. 
you can't create something, an environment, that's going to convince me otherwise to bow down and worship, something that I've not been called to worship. You can't convince me, enemy, how big this statue might look, how many people are turning their back on. You can't convince me that there's not a wonderful life that God has for me because I've submitted myself to God and I've received the power of the Spirit that He's given me. I know I've been called to increase. An enemy, you've been called to decrease. We've got to remind him. We've got to remind him. We've been called to increase, and he's been called to decrease. But it's because we allow him, we allow him ground that we don't find ourselves increasing. Therefore, we come into a place where we begin to question the process. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shed some light on why this process ain't working. We're not activating in the power, so we're the same as we were two years ago. We're dealing with the same that we dealt with five years ago. We got the same yoke glued and taped on the back because it's been broke. And we've subjected ourselves to a mockery of slavery because we've allowed ourselves to think. I read this quote and I thought it was really good. It said, the scariest place to be as a Christian is in the same place that you were last year. And I began to think about that. And for those of y'all like me that ain't, ain't too bright, it's not a geography joke. And for those of y'all that really ain't too bright and are thinking, I don't like math, it's about location. This ain't a location joke. This isn't a location saying. This isn't about, oh, so I need to be finding a new church every five, you're in the same spot. You just don't realize just because you moved, you're not in the same spot. Got a lot of Christians in the same spot in their growth, the same spot in their increase, the same spot in their wonderful life that they should be walking in and experiencing. They're not because we're subjecting ourselves to a yoke. We're subjecting ourselves to a way of thinking that's not right. And 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 this is a process, but at the same time, there should be progress. This is a process. Process means that there's going to be some time that takes place. But there should be some progress. And we have to stop making apologies for our lack and for where we haven't grown on other people. And we've, I'll just, Pastor Tim's message on Sunday, if you weren't here for that. Or else we'll be on the outside in 2024 going, God's love couldn't reach me here. God's love couldn't reach me in my circumstance. God's love couldn't reach me in my depth. God's love couldn't reach me because of this situation that happened. God's love couldn't reach me because of this failure. God's love couldn't reach me because... No, we've got to see that us living the God kind of life, the Zoe kind of life, is a strike back against the enemy here. That's what God is recreating on the inside of us by giving us a spirit of power. 
It's powerful. You've been given the means by which to resist the enemy and to speak and to do things that remind him of his place. See, we, we as Christians, we have a misconception that we think that the devil lives in hell and vacations here. He doesn't want to go to hell. So what he does while he's here is he tries to bring hell and cause hell in our lives. And please hear me, I'm not saying that to be vulgar. I'm saying that in the literal sense. That's what he's trying to accomplish. See, he is the anti-Christ. What did Christ bring? He brought the kingdom of God. So the opposite of the kingdom of God is the absence of the kingdom of God. The only place where there is a complete absence of the kingdom of God is in hell. So the enemy is here trying to advance hell and bring that here. But whenever we operate with the right thinking, with the right idea that I've been called to a wonderful life, what I do is I advance the kingdom of God and I remind the devil of his own hell that's coming. That's why whenever we resist him, He flees because he's terrified of what's going to come and happen to him. He's terrified. He's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. But we have to realize that we've been given more power than just to say, well, you're not going to take my joy, devil. And he's walking out of our houses with everything else that we own. You keep your joy. Give me what I'll take. Well, you're not going to take my joy, devil. You're not going to take. You're not going to take my. You're not going to take this from me, devil. He's going. Okay, great. Let me have everything else. Let me have your children. Let me have your marriage. Let me have your finance. You're not going to take my joy, devil. You're not going to take my joy. And, and please hear me. I'm not. There are sometimes we've got to we've got to find solace in the fact that while we're going through things, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but. We've got to realize that there's been given more power to us than just to sit back and go, you're not going to get me, devil. When the Pharisees were trying to convict Jesus and tell him that it was by the devil that he was casting out the devil, he began to talk and preach to them about a house divided can't stand, and he's talking about these different things. And he, and he, tells, he tells this This passage in Matthew 12, verse 26 to 29 says, If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, and this is is one of the most misunderstood passages of Scripture. Because we reference it as the enemy coming into our house and binding us. And I want you to see that that's not what Jesus was talking about. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? What Jesus was saying is, I am the one who goes into the strong man's house and binds him. And I plunder out everything that he has inside of his house. What Jesus was saying is, I go into the strong man's house. I go into the enemy's camp. I go in and what I do is I bind him and I take out what he's taken. 
we don't get it. You were created to do what Christ did. To strike fear into a defeated foe. He's not strong anymore because this is pre what Christ did. Jesus Christ went into his house. Come on. He went into his house. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He paid for all of our sins and each and every single one of our lives he purchased and took back for us. See, a lot of Christians live life thinking like we're locked here on earth with the devil. And I want you to start thinking about it like this. No, he's locked here on the earth with us. I'm not afraid of you. I don't have to submit to you. You don't have authority over me. You don't have authority over my wife. You don't have authority over my husband. You don't have authority over my kids. You don't have authority over my house. You are locked here with me, and I will remind you daily, enemy, where you're going to go. You're defeated. I'll live a wonderful life. I'll live the God kind of life. But we've got to get that in our thinking that the spirit that God has given us through the love that he has for us is more than just so we can come and sit in some chairs so that we can sing some songs. It's so that we can take and go out and take back what the enemy tried to take away from God's people. I know if I were to go around the room And ask for testimonies of situations where there was no hope. Where there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Where there was no peace, no way that could be restored, no life. There was nothing. But then all of a sudden, just like Lazarus, come forth. And that stone, that blocking, that whatever that was in the way, that, that, that mountain is just removed. And you're just left there going, what just happened? It's the power of the Spirit of God. We live by heaven's principles here on earth, not by this earth's principles. That's what we've been called to. And we as God's people have to get out of this way of thinking that if we'll do it the, the world's way that we can get God's results. That's not how it's ever worked. That's why God tried to say over and over and over again how much we are his possession, how we don't belong here, how we're foreigners in this world passing through. And our jobs, besides having fun, great lives, is kicking the enemy in the teeth. And crushing him at every turn. He goes around like a roaring lion. And we're to point at him and go, who are you trying to talk to like that? Well, did you see the report? 
well, did you, did you hear what they said on the news? Did, they, did you hear what, they, what they've got on Trump? Did you hear? Did you hear? Who cares? Who are you trying, who are you trying to make anxious with that? Not God's people. Not God's people. And the, in, the enemy, once he begins to see how things are not going for him, how he can't get, he flees. He begins to get terrified because he's going, oh my gosh, they're, they're figure, they figured me out. I, I, can't get, I can't get to the way they think. They're, 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 they're guarding their minds. They're guarding their hearts. The word of God goes in front of them. Whenever I try to bring something up about their past, they remind me what the word says. Whenever I try to say this is what's going to happen, the, the word of God, and I have nothing to say. I, I have no response. I can't. I can't. Now, please hear me. I'm not trying to sell you a false bill of goods. It's, it's not easy. And Jesus said so himself. He said, listen, you're going to face troubles. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And through me, you'll overcome the world too. We serve a risen king and we're up against a defeated foe. The God kind of life starts by us submitting to God and accepting and receiving the spirit that he has for us. That spirit is the spirit of power, not of fear. And so we begin to live our lives going, okay, I'm going to have the God kind of life. That means I'm going to have a God kind of morning. I'm going to have a God kind of afternoon. And I'm going to have a God kind of night. And then you know what I'm going to do tomorrow, devil? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have a God kind of morning, regardless of what you try to do. Regardless if I spill my coffee all over me in the car. Regardless if I got caught up on the way to work. Regardless of, oh, if this doesn't go my way, or regardless of, I'm going to have a God kind of morning. I'm going to have a God kind of afternoon. I don't care if, if, the, if the assignment came in late or we got more work we got to do or I'm crashing and no matter how, many, how much coffee or how much energy drink I drink, I'm just having a hard time saying what? I'm going to have a God kind of afternoon. And then whenever I go home, I'm going to have a God kind of evening. I'm going to love on my kids. I'm going to love on my spouse. I'm going to spend time with God. And, and, and no amount of what happened in my day is going to stop me from receiving the love of God and keep me from having the God kind of life, the wonderful life. See, we've been created and we're following after Christ. He's given us a new spirit. That's a spirit of power. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. And was the earthly man, so there are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. Whose image are you trying to bear? Whose image do you want to bear? Do you want to bear that of the first Adam? Or do you want to bear that of the second Adam? See, we fight against this thinking. We fight against this thinking. We, we understand and we believe that as I, as I walk 
and I speak and I think and I act, I advance the kingdom. And, 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 and we understand that in Genesis 3, the curse was not on us. The curse was on the ground. I'm not cursed. You're not cursed. We, as God's people, are not cursed. The earth was cursed. But did you know that even the earth that, on this earth that curses can be lifted? Exodus 3, verse 5. You want to know how curses can be lifted? This is how. When the power of God comes. Exodus 3, verse 5. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the burning bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. When we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to be activated in our life, what God is saying is the ground is no longer cursed. It's blessed. It's blessed because you advance it. It's blessed because we decide and we choose to live the wonderful life. I'm going to live the God kind of life. I'm going to live a wonderful life. Not wonderful based on the earth standards. Not wonderful based on what I want to do. Not wonderful based on how I think it would best help my kids out financially even in the future. I'm going to live a wonderful life how God's called me to live. Because whenever I operate with the, where, the, where the Spirit tells me to come and to go, the ground is blessed beneath my feet. I don't have to fear the curse of the ground. You know, I, I had family members that would submit themselves to the curse of the ground. That's just, it's just Adam and Eve. It's just Adam and Eve. That's just why, the way things are. It's just, it's just Adam and Eve, and there's just nothing we can do about it. We're just, we've, we've got it. You have been called not to be Adam. The first Adam, you've been called to be the spiritual Adam. And the spirit did not come before the natural. It came after. Therefore, it, it's better. It's above. It's beyond it. It's beyond its reach. That's why we live and we think and we breathe kingdom principles, not earth principles. Because earth principles are under a curse. I think you guys are getting it. God promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. He wouldn't have promised ground to people if it was cursed. Unless his power of his spirit could go beyond the curse of the ground. Slowly but surely, we begin to see this and we understand why we have to operate by the Spirit. As I, as I close, I want to give you one more passage of Scripture. It's Matthew 10, verse 16. Says, this is from, from Jesus. He says, I am sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That used to always bother me. I shrewd as a snake. Why as shrewd or as cunning as some versions say as a snake? I don't know if you know this about snakes. They don't have arms. They don't have legs. They don't have wings. They can't fly. And some of you women are like, imagine this animal with legs and arms and wings. 
But because they don't have all these other things to help them to be successful, I'm I'm not going to put an image that I don't want to put. I'm just reading the scriptures. Don't get mad at me. They have to be cautious. They have to be calculated. They plan their approach, and they choose their location, and they wait for opportunity to do what they do. Snake things. Snake things. I don't know. Snake activities. But listen, despite your limitations, God has called you to be cautious and to plan your approach to your life. Despite your limitations, be cautious. And plan your approach so that you can be successful in what, what God's called you to be successful. And all, and all the while, remaining as innocent as a dove. See, while the snake might sound sinister, the dove doesn't. Because my entire purpose as a dove is to, I think about what the dove represented in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is to bring the covenant. I'm a symbol of the covenant. And with the words that I say, I bring the olive branch and I speak the olive branch of God's love to people. In my actions, I bring the olive branch to let people know God is safe. This is a safe place. God God is for you. God is not against you. He wants you to have a wonderful life. He wants you to live the God kind of life. Y'all get behind that tonight? We serve a risen king and a defeated foe. There's nothing that can keep us from the wonderful life. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.